Let's get back into freedom. <clears throat> freedom uh, is one of the groups, uh, and we, we're going to have two, uh, two groups for men and a number of groups for ladies beginning in February. What I've been doing the last couple of weeks is just kind of laying the groundwork, building the foundation for freedom in your life and in our life here at Gen U. And it bases out of the second story in the Bible, the, the story of the two trees. Uh, each tree represents a different approach to God, as well as the situations in our life. Today, last week, we looked at the fruit uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, and at the end result of it is simply this. It, it, it doesn't matter what's happened to us in our past. It doesn't matter whether, whether you were responsible for it or you weren't. Now, sometimes we make bad choices and, and we get in trouble, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on in people's lives that they're not, absolutely not responsible for. Abuse, molestation, all of those things. They're, you're not responsible for those things. But we are responsible for our life post-event. You understand what I'm saying? We have, at some point in our life, we can't keep looking back over our shoulder and go, I'm the way that I am because of this. I'm the way I am because this happened to me. I'm the way that I, somewhere in our, in our life, we've got to stop and go, I'm going to take control and take responsibility for my life from this point forward, and I'm going to move from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to move into the fruit of the tree of life. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to bring, uh, to, to, to bring pain into your life. I came to give you life and that more abundantly. So if God wants us to have life and Jesus came to give us that life, then don't you think we should move away from the tree of knowledge into what? The tree of life. So today we want to talk, I want to talk to you about the fruit of living in the tree of life. The first thing that it does is this. It produces fellowship. If you're following along in version, all of my notes are there. If not, uh, you can just follow along and take notes if you like. Um, the first thing that we need to recognize in the fruit of living in the tree of life is this, that it produces fellowship with God. Knowledge doesn't produce fellowship with God. Remember, uh, the Pharisees, they knew the Scripture. They knew it inside and out. They could quote it. They tried to live by it, but they were separated from God. They didn't have a relationship with God. Because knowledge, even of Scripture, doesn't produce relationship, doesn't produce fellowship. Having life in us is. John 17, 3, now this is eternal life. Look at this, that they know you. Not knowing of God, but knowing God. The word know there is, is genosko. It's a Greek word. It means to recognize, to understand, or to understand completely. Which what? Indicates a relationship. So many of us go through our spiritual life with ritualistic, uh, uh, robotic methodology. It's, well, okay, it's Sunday. I got to go to church. I get up. I got to get a shower. I got to go to church. I go into church. I sit down. I sit in the same place every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. The song that I like, I raise this hand. If I really like them, I raise this hand. You know? And if it's really good, I'll clap my hands and I might stomp my feet or something like that. And then, but if I don't like it, then I just... Life is what you put into it. Church and relationship with God is what you put into it. Well, God's never really done anything for me. Do you know him? Have you taken the time to move away from knowledge and move into life? 
because it'll change your life. It produces fellowship with God because we have a relationship with him. Number two, fellowship with God produces innocence. Adam and Eve, it says this, Adam and Eve were naked in the garden and were not ashamed. What does that mean? That means they, they, they were not ashamed. It means they had no sin consciousness. Before they sinned, they had nothing to be ashamed of. They had no sin consciousness. The only way I can describe it is like this. When you have little children, when they're you know, little toddlers and little, little four, five, six-year-old you know, munchkins running around your house, they get out of the bathtub, and what do they do? They run through the house without a stitch of clothes on. Why? Because they have no shame. They're, they're uninhibited. They just run around, you know, come here, get you some clothes on, wrap this towel around you, don't run out in the yard like that. You know, something. But here's the deal. Children are not technically innocent. They just don't have any hesitation about them. I mean, we're all born in sin, right? We talked about that last week. We're all born into sin. We're all born with this death in us. So children are not technically innocent. They just don't have any hesitation. They're not weighed down by guilt, shame, or burdens. And it's an interesting concept because this, when you move into the New Testament, it's that concept that Jesus is talking about when he says to us that we have to be like little children to enter the kingdom. Now, he doesn't mean that you take your clothes off and run through the streets. That's not what he's talking about. So please, don't anybody go out of here and go, hey, Pastor Phil said, I'm not saying that. A number of years ago, a friend of mine in the church they were in praise and worship one Sunday morning, and a and, and lady walked into church. She had, a, she had an overcoat on and everything, and they started singing songs. And next thing he knew, she's down front. And after about the second song, she started peeling off stuff. You know, and she peeled off her, her overcoat, and then she peeled off the rest of the stuff. And by the time she was getting her shirt off, the ushers were trying to get a blanket wrapped around her because she wanted to be as David and dance in her underwear. Look. You're not David, okay? Let me tell you something. All God is saying is this. Become his little children. The innocence of a little child. 1 Corinthians 14 says, in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, what? Be adults. But he says this, and, and, and this, is, this is something that's very important. Jesus said that we're to be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. What does that mean? It means that innocence is not naivete. Shrewd, cunning, crafty, deliberate as snakes. Now, there's another side to this, because that, that, the opening of that passage says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be cunning as serpents, wise as doves. So what kind of cunning is he talking about? The cunning of a, of a rattlesnake? The cunning of a, of a copperhead or a poisonous snake that, that slithers and hides and, and strikes it? No, it means cunning without venom. Don't be naive, but be innocent in your thinking. Be innocent in your heart. Be pure in heart is what Jesus is saying to us here. Because God, in 1 Corinthians 1, God deliberately chose the, the, the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. What did he choose to introduce his son to the world? A baby. No one in the world at that time expected the Messiah to come as a baby. 
It would be foolish. The deliverer, the conqueror, doesn't come as a baby. I guess they just fall out of heaven fully grown, which is what Greek mythology always talked about. But they expected the Messiah to come on a, on a, on a royal uh, animal, which we always think in terms of horses, but the, king, the, the royal animals were mules. That the Messiah would come as a conquering hero with a vast army and deliver them from Rome and set Israel up as the world government and all of those kind of things. They were not expecting a baby. The Greeks could not fathom why a God would leave heaven and come to earth as a baby because it was foolish. But yet God said this, I'm choosing this. The things that the world considers foolish, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to use that to mess with their heads, those that think they're so smart. Simple innocence is born out of a friendship with God. A friendship with God. God. As we're transformed into the image of God, we become less and less affected by the negativity of the world. Now listen to me. If we truly live with an innocent spirit, Satan has no ammunition against us. Because if we sin, we know how to receive God's forgiveness. If someone offends us, we know how to forgive that person. And we walk in that innocence of spirit every day because we want to be in the image of Christ. We want to have life in us. Listen to me this morning. If you live in negativity, if you live in anti-stuff, if you live with complaint and you live with bitterness and angst in your heart and you walk around with a chip on your shoulder or you're harboring unforgiveness in your life, listen to me. You're not living in the fruit of the tree of life. Well, I just, I just, I'm just a realist and so I just call it the way I see it. No, you're mean and negative. Stopped by my folks' house this weekend, Thursday night, and had dinner with them. And, and, and when I walked in, what was on the television? The impeachment. And it's my mom and dad's house and all that kind of stuff. But just every now and then, I just got to go, turn that off. Turn it off. Oh, but I want to know what's going on. I'm going to tell you what's going on this morning. There are two sides in this thing. They're all living in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they need Jesus. Amen. None of them are right. And that's about as political as I'm going to get. Let's move on. <laughs> Number three, innocence, now get this, innocence is a conduit of God's power. You want to clog the pipes of God's spirit in your life? Be negative. You want to know why you can't move to a place in God of freedom and peace and, and life in you? Do you complain about everything? Do you see the negative in everything that's going on? Are you a negative person? If that's the case, guess what's happening? Your prayers are hitting the lid of the lack of innocence in your heart. Well, I just want God to use me then you've got to become innocent. You've got to live in life. After his temptation in the wilderness, Jesus spoke these words in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and went through a whole, number, a whole list of other things. He came, out of full, he came out of the wilderness experience, not bitter, not angry, but he came out of the wilderness experience full of the Holy Spirit and power and began his public ministry. Anointed simply means empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something. That's what it is. That's what it means. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to be a preacher. You're not supposed to be a preacher. 
There's a lot of mornings I get up and I don't want to be a preacher either. There's some Sundays I get up and I go, I don't want to go today, Kim, because you've got to go. You're the preacher. You've got to be there. <laughs> but listen to me this morning. Every one of us, we have a destiny in us that God has placed. We have a task before us, a responsibility before God to reach the lost, with win people, and if necessary, use words. We're anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. What does that mean? People that don't have any money? No, that means people that don't have Jesus. That's what that means. Innocence keeps our minds and hearts pure, helping us continually recognize our need for God. This is a big deal because a lot of us don't recognize that we need God. He's kind of like a thing that we have on a hook out here that when it comes to the weekend, we pick it up and we come to nine o'clock and, and we, we fill that square. And we, when we leave, we set it back on the hook and we don't talk about it and we, we're not, we don't see it until the next week. We don't live independence. We live in dependent. And the problem with independence is God can't help us in that because we're doing what Adam and Eve did. We're saying, to, we're saying to, to the world, we're saying to God, we're saying to ourselves, we're saying to everybody around us, I got this, and I don't need God. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Life says I have to be dependent upon the one who created me and breathed life into me. I need to be dependent. An attitude of dependence on God is fertile ground for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As we, as we seek God, as we submit our lives to the Lord, 2 Timothy tells us that he equips us for every good work. Number four, innocence results in freedom. Innocence results in freedom. Now remember, we're not talking about not being naive to what's going on in the world. I'm not saying that you should be ignorant about what's happening with, with everything that's going on in Washington, D.C. I'm saying if you saturate your life with what's happening, you're going to find yourself in negativity. Find a way to counteract the negative in your life. Find a way to move into a place of life with God. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You see, when we approach life with an innocent spirit, it changes the way we live, the way we think about every part of our lives. When we live with that innocent spirit, when we've chosen life and we live in that innocent spirit, that pure of heart before the Lord, it changes everything about every part of our life. Approaching life with innocence allows us to see the good things in front of us instead of picking every person, every church, every situation apart. Innocence sets us free. Look, I'm telling you, I am telling you straight up, you can come into this church or any church on the planet, and if you sit there long enough and you look, you're going to see the wrinkles and you're going to see the cracks in the armor. Well, I don't like the music. Well, I don't like the way Phil preaches. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way the building looks. I don't like the lights. I don't like the haze. I don't like this. I don't like that. It's too cold. It's too hot. The building's too big. It's now too small. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. Guess what? That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's not life. And that's not innocence. Well, I don't like, I don't like what she said to me. I don't like the way he treated me. I don't like this. I don't like that. Listen, move from the negative. Move from the negative. Find a place of life in Jesus. Find a place of life in Jesus. Because what will happen if you approach life with innocence, you will see the good things in front of you instead of picking every person, church, or situation apart. 
Relationships change in the innocence of the tree of life. Because then we don't know, we no longer hold people to impossible standards. We don't hold people to impossible standards anymore. We, we live our life in a way that we're slow to take offense, but we're quick to extend forgiveness. Recognizing that we have made mistakes as well. So we're slow to pick up that offense. Well, you don't know what they said to me. I, let it go. Don't pick that thing up. Well, that's just the way I am. Change the way you are. Can I get a witness in the house? Amen. You know, and, and I will say this. The old adage that you can't teach an old dog new tricks is a lie. In the first place, humans are not dogs. We are people of reason and intellect. We have a mind, we have will, we have emotion. We can choose to let it go or choose to harbor and hold it. Instead of looking for people to meet our needs, here's a, here's a thought. Instead of looking for people to meet our needs, we look for a way to serve them. Look for, to serve them. Because we live for Jesus and we live for the kingdom, people are no longer able to take advantage of us. And when you get to a point where people are no longer able to take advantage of you, because you walk in innocence, and you walk in the fruit of the tree of, of, of life, then guess what? You're living a life of freedom that a lot of people never get to because that is true freedom. It moves into the area of reading the Bible, praying, serving others. It should be sources of life, security, strength, and delight to us. But yet, what do we look at it last? Oh, they should, this is my to-do list today. I got to read three chapters. Oh, I gotta, you mean I got to download February in version to do this? Why, why, why? No. Religious duties that must be checked off a to-do list have never been a part of spiritual formation. That's knowledge. That's not life. You see, in the innocence of the tree of life, we realize that these things are done out of relationship, not out of responsibility. Why? Because we fall in love with Jesus. It turns the idea of duty into devotion, and that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Because then we find our prayers becoming powerful and, and reading the Bible is a refreshing thing, not a drudgery that, that we've got to muddle through. There's no more guilt-ridden sessions where we plow through 20 chapters at 4.30 in the morning because someone said, early in the morning I will seek you. And you realize that if you just, if you just take some time and connect with your friend in heaven and your Savior and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, that he can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. It's not about a to-do list. We see religion tells us, well, you got to do it and you're going to have to suffer through it. But relationship says, I do this because I want to live. And I choose life. So here's a couple of truths. We're going to close with this. Here's a couple of truths to help us live in the tree of life. You want to live in the tree of life, here's some things you've got to recognize. First thing, a relationship with God is essential. A relationship with God is essential. Not ritual. It's not checking the box on Sunday morning. It's not checking the box. Oh, we've got to go do communion because there's elders over there and, and they might see us in the darkness and all this kind of stuff. So we want to go. No, it's not about that. It's about I love Jesus. And that begins by receiving his extravagant love for us. You see, before we look to God, 
He made a way for us to be in relationship with him. He made the first move. He made the first move. It's not like when we were in grade school where we, you know, send little letters, do you love me? Check yes or no. Do you want to be my friend? Yes or no. And we wait, you know, and if they say, you know, we wait before we offer anything, we wait to see if it's going to be reciprocated. It's not that way with God. Romans says that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Christ died for us. The next truth is this. We know that because of the finished work of the cross, that we are declared righteous before God. I've got to clean up my... No, you don't have to do anything. That's the tree of knowledge. All you have to do is accept the finished work of Christ in your life. You and I, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus did. He only said it is finished once for all. And when he said it was finished, guess what? It was finished. We have to walk inside that declaration. Since we, Romans 5, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing, recognize that we're sons and daughters, not servants. You say, well, ah, we're supposed to be servants of the Most High God. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, but this is what, listen to me. Those are words that are used to describe a state or an action. A servant has an obligation to do what is expected. He is required to be faithful or suffer the consequences. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, God sees us as his sons and daughters. Why? Because he said we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. A son or daughter serves because he or she is a part of the family. A son or daughter is faithful because they love, because of the love they have for his or her father. It changes your perspective. You're not living in obligation. It's not obligatory anymore. It's because Christ loved me. God sent his son to die for me. He's made a way for me to be an heir and a joint heir with Christ. I choose life. I choose to be a son or a daughter of God. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for us. The last thing, recognize the two environments that you can live in. You can live in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or you can live in the environment of the tree of life. It's about a choice. Most of us, if not all of us, we bounce back and forth. Some days we got the tree of life down and we feel good about it. Other days, we get caught in knowledge. Maybe we didn't get enough sleep, or maybe we, things are really stressful, and we just we don't think in terms of life, and so we move into the area. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. But the point I want to make this morning, and the thing I want to get across to you today is this. Knowing that you can choose the tree of life response in every situation or circumstance is crucial to walking in freedom. You and I can choose. There's a deliberateness about this. 
It's not that we're just blown here and there by the wind, but there's a deliberate thing when we get up and we face it every day. If you, sometimes I have to stick sticky notes everywhere. I have 81 notes in my phone. They're all to me. I send, my, I send myself six, eight, ten emails a day. Why? Because I can't remember it. I can't remember all that stuff. And so I got notes, and I send myself emails. You know, go in our bathroom, stuck on the wall, there is the Lord's Prayer to the 23rd Psalm right next to my mirror. Boom. Why? Because some, you guys have heard me try to quote that thing. We do it every Sunday, and I still mess it up some Sunday. But I need that restoration in my life. I need life in my life. Put, put signs about the tree of life everywhere. Remind yourself. Put reminders on your phone. It'll pop up and go, hey, remember the tree of life decisions. Do something. But here's the deal. It's a daily choice. And I encourage you today to choose life. Deuteronomy 30. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life, that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Well, I, just, I don't know about all that. Really, I need to pray about this. Okay, before you get down that road of tree of knowledge, let me show you something in Galatians 5. 13 says this, for you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters. You know what that means? You don't have to waste time praying about should you live in freedom. Are you saying we shouldn't pray, Phil? I did not say that. I did not say that. I'm saying to you this morning, choose life because you're called to it. We're called to freedom. Choose life every day. Amen? Amen? Let's stand all over the room for just a second.